start with an opening prayer. So let's put our hearts and our minds together as we join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and your power while we are here in this place. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.
join our hearts and minds together in prayer this morning as we pray for peace. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we pray for your peace on this day. We pray for your peace that surpasses all human understanding. We pray for your peace that can put an end to all sickness and sorrow and grief. We pray, Lord, for your peace on this earth. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Hey kids, so now it's time for our children's moment. So right here we have a pumpkin because it's almost Halloween and you're probably carving pumpkins or maybe doing what we do when we also paint pumpkins. But I have a pumpkin here with me for our children's moment because did you know that Christians are a lot like pumpkins? They are? Yeah, Christians are a lot like pumpkins. We come in the in this hard shell, you know, we, we come in a body like the pumpkin has a body and inside we have lots of yucky stuff that when we become a Christian, hopefully gets cleaned out. So, to explain what I mean, it's time for us to do some pumpkin carving.
here is our jack-o'-lantern. So we are like pumpkins because we have this hard exterior. We have our bodies that, that carry our soul. But here's what God does with us when we become Christians. God opens us up and takes out all the junk all the junk that's inside of us. So the junk that is inside of us is all the meanness and, and nastiness and bad thoughts and, and bad things that we might want to do. God takes all of that junk out of us. Sometimes a little bit still remains inside, but God helps take most of this junk out of us when we become a Christian. And then God helps to put a smile on our face and then as if that's not enough, when we become Christians, God takes a light and puts that light inside of us. And that light is the light of Christ. And because of that light, we can shine for all the world to see. See, we're a lot like jack-o'-lanterns. A light inside of us, a smile on our face, and a lot of this junk removed. morning. Um, if anybody ordered t-shirts or masks, they're in the Narsex. And uh, <clears throat> pastor's mean with that knife. My goodness. <laughs> Whew. Um, when I say to you, O God, you will say we give you thanks. With joy and delight, we gather to praise our holy God. With reverence and awe, we approach our gracious God. We give thanks to God, understands us, and does not want us to be that which we were never created to become. To you, O God, we give you thanks. Creating God. You call us to worship. You as your children, made in your image with a divine spark within each of us. We give thanks that God understands us, encourages us to grow in our knowledge of God's awesome holiness. To you, O oh God, we give you thanks. Gracious God, you invite us to sink our roots deep into your love and holiness and to grow stronger each day in our faith in you. We give thanks that God understands us and that the fruits we bear are consistent with what God created us to become. We gather to worship and praise our supporting and caring God. To you, O oh God. Never be the same again. 
again I can never return I've closed the door I will walk the path I will run the race and I will never be the same again Fall like fire so So before I do all three of our scripture lessons for us this morning, yes, I have three readings for you. I will explain why. I do have one more announcement that's a joyful one, and that is that our own Mandy Kraska, who usually sits right over there with those ladies with their two beautiful daughters, is having another baby boy. So that's so exciting. So Mandy, if you're watching, congratulations. We are just so excited. Sad we can't watch that belly grow over time here in this place, but so glad that we will have a new baby here in this church. All right, so now we have three readings, and, and I'm not joking. I decided all three of them are good for us because they all go together. And of course, I'm not reading the entire three readings, but I'm going to read all three for you. Our first one comes from... Hey, Glenn, could you turn down my volume? I think there's some echoing going on. The first one comes from Leviticus chapter 19. We are going to read verses 13 through 18. This is going to sound a lot like the Ten Commandments because it's basically a continuation of the Ten Commandments. So if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? amen. Starting with verse 13. You shall not defraud your neighbors. You shall not steal. You shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revile the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. 
You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove, reprove your neighbor, and you will incur judge. Uh, incur, I can't talk today. You shall reprove, reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbors as yourself. I am the Lord. Now we're going to jump to the first psalm. We are going to read this one entirely. If you are in Bible study, these are all familiar to you. Psalm number one. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted in streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And now we are going to finish our readings of the day with familiar verses that we read just a couple weeks ago, but they're in our lectionary and they're so important and good to hear again. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 22, just verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him the question to test him. Teacher, which commandment of the law is the greatest? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Amen. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you for gathering us here. Lord, we ask that as we are gathered here in person or here online, we ask that you just pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Allow our hearts and our minds to be one for this moment as we turn to you and as we worship you. Lord, we pray this and every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And together we say, Amen. So the lectionary is quite serious with its lesson for us today. I think as we read through all of it, we're like, okay, we, we get the point. We're supposed to be good people. That's what the lectionary wants us to understand. It's trying to get us to realize that, that we should participate in community with one another, and we should be good, and we should be kind, and we should be loving. And so it gives us this reminder. We start with Leviticus, a, a book that we're usually not going to turn to. Are you ever at home ready to do some Bible study, and you're like, oh yeah, let me read some Leviticus. Pastor, do you ever do that? You just open up to Leviticus and be like, this is what I want to read today? No, he's saying no, in case you can't see him. None of us, that's not the book that we're just going to open up and be like, oh, I need some spiritual fulfillment today. I'm going to read from Leviticus. But in Leviticus, we actually get some good instruction here. We're getting this expansion kind of of the Ten Commandments, getting us to understand that, that we are supposed to be in community with one another, and we're supposed to treat each other kindly and respectfully and without partiality. We're getting this instruction that gives us really the intention of the law that we can find in Leviticus chapter 19. And then as we keep making our way through our lectionary readings and we enter into the psalm, we hit this very first psalm. And in this very first psalm, we again get this instruction and this guidance, but this time from King David, from the psalmist David, who says to us that we need to remember that the good will prosper, but the wicked the bad will not prevail. No matter what we see here on this earth, it's this reminder that the wicked do not prevail because God always gets the final say. And then we make our way into Matthew. Matthew 22 has been in our lectionary for a while now, for a few weeks. We've been slowly making our way through Matthew chapter 22, very, very slowly. But we end up with the reminder from Jesus. When Jesus is tested and the Pharisees are like, well, Jesus, choose one of the commandments. Tell us which one's the greatest. And Jesus is like, oh, no, I'll sum them up for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and I'm going to add the and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to be a good member of a community, if you want to be a fruitful member of a community, then love God and love your neighbor. We get these three readings which give us this this reminder, this important reminder, that believe it or not, we're supposed to be good people. <laughs> Did you know that? We are supposed to be good people. We're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to be respectful. We're not supposed to allow hate to fill our hearts. If Ted does something to anger me, he didn't, I love Ted, but if he did something to anger me, I can't be filled with hate for Ted in my heart and still love God. I can't do that. I can't hate someone who's made in the image of God and still love God. It's not possible. Don't worry, Ted, I'll never hate you anyways. But no matter what, like it's just not possible. So we get these reminders as we do these readings today that we are supposed to be good people. Dave, do you know you're supposed to be a good person? 
As a follower of Jesus, by the way, Dave's awesome too. I love when I get to pick on people, but you are awesome. You are such a good people. But we are supposed to be good people, and that's what we get as a reminder from today. But here's the thing. The the Pharisees, the Pharisees didn't get this. If we go to the time of Jesus, the Pharisees didn't really get this. They didn't fully understand the intentions of the laws. They understood the laws themselves, but they didn't understand the intentions of the laws of Moses. And so what the Pharisees Pharisees would do is they would they would check off their laws they would check off these laws to become more righteous so so are they following all the cleanliness practices yep they'd check and they'd give themselves a little pat on the back and then they'd go to another law oh yep check okay good pat themselves on the back but they didn't follow the intention of the law they were not being kind to both the wealthy and the poor but instead what they would do is they would be kind to the wealthy but then they'd look at the poor and they'd see the poor as lower or lesser than them and they wouldn't treat the poor with the kindness that they should but they didn't care because they figured that the poor were not as blessed as them the poor were not as righteous as them so they didn't have to worry about them so the the religious elite especially the pharisees what they would do is they'd kind of check off these righteousness things on their list and these laws that they'd follow and they'd pat themselves on the back but they weren't following the intention of the law they weren't making sure that they were they were lifting up others in their community they weren't making sure that they were caring for those who were the least of the uh, among them they didn't understand the true intention and so when jesus comes along he tries to get them to understand that if we are devoted to god if we are devoted to god who is the creator of all then we should also want to be good and kind and loving to all people regardless of who those people are the reality is that when we are devoted to god we should want to be good people and we shouldn't just want to look like good people that's what the pharisees did they wanted to look like good people i don't care what you look like friends you all look beautiful to me even with your face masks on we shouldn't want to look like good people but we should actually want to be good people. That means that the closer that Lori comes to God, the closer that Lori walks on her relationship with God, the more she should want to be a good person who is kind, who is loving, who is reaching out to others. Is that right, Lori? The more we walk on this journey of faith, the more we should want to be good, truly good people. And yet there's always people who who lose sight of that. There's people who lose sight of those things, especially those who become holier than others. But the reality is that when we're devoted to God, we should want to be good. And when we should want to be good, should should we turn around and lie to others? Probably not. When we want to be good, we shouldn't be lying to people unless we're lying to save somebody's life. When we want to be good, we, we should want to care for people and to make sure that we're not treating people unfairly. When we want to be good because of our devotion to God, then we should not let hate enter into our hearts. Do you realize how much hate does damage when it enters into our heart? If I hate somebody, then that hate lives within me. And do you know what that hate does? That hate becomes toxic. So when we want to be devoted to God and we want to be good people, then we should try to never allow hate to enter our hearts. But let's think about this. This year, 2020, could be an easy year to hate, couldn't it? (laughs) 
This year, 2020, I wrote in my sermon, I said it's been pretty bad. It's been worse than pretty bad. This year, 2020, we're, we're almost done with October. We're most of the way through the year. But man, this year has been terrible. There have been sicknesses. There have been deaths. There has been social isolation. There, there has been so much trauma in this world this year that this year has been absolutely terrible. And so I was, I was thinking about all this. I was thinking about our lectionary readings, and I was thinking about how just how we can't wait for 2020 to be over, and we can't wait for a new year to hopefully begin and be better. I came across this quote. Exactly, you show me the quote here. Here's this quote. It says, in a rush to return to normal, use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. This is by David Hollis. In a rush to return to normal, use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. I've never read one of these guys' books, but this, book, this quote here is good. This is such a good quote. So I want us to think about how in this year, this terrible year, the reality is, is as we focus on, on all that our lectionary has to offer today and how we're supposed to be devoted to God, and when we're devoted to God, we're supposed to be good people, and we're in this time of like craziness and time of chaos, then how can we decide what we need to leave behind and what we need to take with us? So I started to think that what we need to do is we need to do some spiritual renovations. That's what we need to do. As we come to an end of 2020, what we as followers of Christ need to do is we need to do some spiritual renovations. For the kids, of course, I put it in the, in the terms of a pumpkin because kids understand jack-o'-lanterns. But basically, that's the same idea. Christians are actually a lot like pumpkins where, where God can remove all the, the junk from us and then put a smile on our face and the light of Christ within us. And that is the children's moment version. But the reality is for you adults, it actually gets a little bit more complicated than that. It's not that simple. It's not that once we decide to follow Christ, that Christ himself is going to take everything bad outside of us and put that smile on our face and that light within us and that that smile and that light are going to last forever. Uh, for the kids, it might sound that simple, but for us adults, it's not that simple, is it? Instead, you know what we need to do? It's more like a spiritual renovation. And when I say renovation, I want you to think about renovating a house. Now, who here lives in, it lives in a house or an apartment or, or something that you live in? All of us. We all know what it's like. All of us have places where we live. Well, last year, my husband and I bought a new house, a house that I absolutely love. And, and when we moved into the house, I was like, oh my goodness, I love this house so much. It is my dream house. There's not a single thing I want to do to it besides maybe change a couple things in a kitchen. I was like, that is it. I don't want to do a single thing to this house just barely any renovations, but now we've lived in this house for a year. You know what happens when you live in a house is things start to get a little dingy. When you have two golden retrievers, a carpet in that back living room where the dogs come in and out all day isn't going to last forever. Eventually that carpet's going to have to be removed and it's going to have to be thrown out and a new one is going to have to be put in its place. Think about any house. Who's lived in their house for, for over 20 years? I know there's some of you. If you lived in the, your house for over 20 years, I'm sure that you've gone through times where you've done some work and then you've been like, oh, this is perfect. But then five years go by 
or maybe 10 years go by, and then you start looking at that same house that you thought was perfect, and you start to go, oh, maybe we could do something else. Do you ever come across that? You're like, maybe we could renovate some more. And so again, maybe you, you put some new paint on the walls to freshen it up, or maybe you tear out those kitchen cabinets, or you, or you throw away those kitchen appliances, or, or you do whatever you need to do to put in new stuff. That's what a renovation is like. A spiritual renovation is like the same thing. When we choose to follow Christ, it's not just a one-time thing that, that you know, God removes all the yuck from inside of us, all that spitefulness and, and hatred and nastiness that lives with inside of us, and then we're perfect for the rest of our days. It doesn't work like that, but instead we as Christians are a work in progress, and we, we require spiritual renovations, which means every so often we've got to stop and think, wow, you know, there's this selfishness that's like hanging out in my gut, <laughs> this selfishness, and I've really got to get in there and root it out and toss it away. I need to do a little spiritual renovation here. Or maybe, especially with all the stress going on, maybe there's some crabbiness rooted inside of you. I'll tell you, I had some crabbiness a couple weeks ago. That's why I needed a little Sabbath break. You get some crabbiness rooted inside of you. Anybody else ever feel crabby? Is it only me? Yeah, you guys do too? Okay, good, just checking. So sometimes you get this crabbiness inside of you, and you go in, in prayer, and you're like, okay, this, this crabbiness, it, it needs to come out. It, it's not helping me to be a better Christian. So you've got to remove that crabbiness and, and replace it with something more loving. Maybe there's some breaks in a relationship going on. And maybe there's some divisions in a relationship and you can see it and you can feel it. And you realize that, need, that needs to be uprooted so that, that a better relationship or a better version of that relationship can take its place. Do you guys understand what I'm talking about when I talk about a spiritual renovation? So here's the thing. I hear an amen, so that's good. I hope you guys understand this. Because as we come to a close with 2020, because thank the good Lord this year is coming to an end. As we start to come to a close, it's time for us to do some spiritual renovations. It's time for us to decide what is, is hanging out in our gut that needs to be removed. It's time for us to realize that, that whatever our, our badness is, our, our wickedness is, that's taken root within us, We've got to uproot it so that we can replace it with a better, more loving version of ourselves. So we've got some time to do some spiritual renovations. So this year, as we come to a close of this year, especially on this Reformation Sunday, because by the way, friends, it is Reformation Sunday, you know, as Reformation is celebrated this week to come. Let's think about how we can renovate ourselves spiritually. What is weighing us down that needs to be uprooted? How can we be better devoted to God so that we can actually be better, more loving people? How can we be better devoted to God so that we can actually look more like we're following Jesus than just following in the way of this world? What can we do to uproot anything that's holding us back? And not allowing us to have that, that spiritual connection that we need in our lives. What spiritual renovations can we do? Because I know I've got some work to do and I'm ready to finish this year with some spiritual renovations. How about you? What are we going to take with us as we return to normal?
What are we going to leave behind? How are we going to become better versions of our faithful Christian selves? What needs to be tossed aside? And what needs to take its place? Let's think about that today and let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you on this day. Lord, we all need some spiritual renovations. We all need to get rid of some of that junk that weighs us down. We all need to replace that junk with, with kindness and love and respect and compassion. So help us, Lord. Help us to do spiritual renovations. Help us to re-root ourselves in you again and again and again so we can better follow in the way of our Savior. Help us, Lord, to follow you. Let us get rid of any crabbiness or, or stressfulness or anything that weighs us down. And fill us, Lord, with your light. We pray this all through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
At this time, we give our offerings and tithes. Uh, you can do it online, or there's a basket in the back. Thank you.
some Reformation music for us as we celebrate the Reformation. And now, friends, go forth. Go forth and be blessed. Allow yourself to do some spiritual renovation. Go forth, be blessed, have a blessed week, and be a blessing to all. <laughs>